Good afternoon. I hope everyone's had a good Lord's Day thus far. Our lesson this evening will be derived from first, or excuse me, from Ephesians uh, chapter one, verses seventeen through nineteen. In Ephesians one seventeen through nineteen, uh, here the Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. As you think about that idea of what God can give the Christian, that is a question that has many, many answers. We can talk about the many spiritual blessings that God gives us, such as uh, mercy and grace and forgiveness of our sins and, and salvation. We can also think about how God gives us the answer to all of life's problems through his written word. We find how we can live and how we ought to live, how we are to interact with one another, how we are to behave ourselves, how we are to raise our children. The list goes on and on. And as you look at Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 19 here, we have here that God can give the Christian the knowledge of Him, and we find that knowledge of Him, and He grants that knowledge of Him through His Word. And so this evening I want to show some of the things that God provides for the Christian, keeping in mind that God's blessings are exclusive. That is, that His blessings are only going to go to those who are His. As we talked about this morning there, uh, with, with Micah, how the blessings of God belong to the faithful servant of God. And as Paul reminds us there in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, that all spiritual blessings are in Christ, therefore they are exclusive to those who are followers of God and followers of Christ. As you look at Ephesians chapter 1, we find this is a prayer of Paul where we can learn what God is able to give every Christian we think about that idea, what the Christian may expect, uh, what God can give the Christian, we also think about what the Christian may expect from God. And when we talk about revelation, sometimes we think about revelation, some people kind of get the idea they think God's going to give some kind of special revelation. Well, that is not what we're talking about this evening. We're talking about how God reveals himself through the written word. And so if you think about what the Christian may expect from God, we find that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. That is, that God reveals Himself to us today through the wisdom we find through His written Word. If we want to know who God is, we go to the Bible. If we want to know who, more about anything, don't you go to the source? Well, the Bible is the source for knowledge of God. That's where we go to. We do not go to man-made books or creeds. We go to the Word of God itself. We find that the Apostle Paul also makes several requests when it comes to wisdom. We also think about this idea where he tells us that God will give them the spirit of wisdom. Well, God has all wisdom, therefore he is the source of all wisdom. We think about how many times, and really it's, it's so many we really lose count, how many times God's wisdom is on display throughout the Bible. I've never attempted to, to write down and count up how many times God's wisdom is on display, but really we find it from Genesis throughout Revelation, God's wisdom. If you were to pick one book, any book in the Bible, and count how many times you find the wisdom of God revealed in that, you'll be amazed by it. 
And the bigger the book, the more times you'll find it. And we find God's wisdom is still uh, teaching us today through His written Word. We look at uh, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. We are reminded that He wants us to be wise. He says here in Isaiah 11 verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. God wants us to be wise people. He wants us to be knowledgeable of Him. Sometimes when we talk about Bible knowledge, we get a little nervous. We think many times we don't know as much as we should. And even though we may feel that way, it doesn't mean there's not a solution to that. And I think also if we're honest, much like what we talked about on Wednesday night, the idea of doubt, which can come into play with doubting our own spiritual knowledge, can also be another tool of the devil that causes us to doubt our own abilities. But we look here in Isaiah 11 and verse 2, we find that no doubt God wants us to be wise and, and have wisdom and understanding concerning Him. The more we know God, the more we understand God, and the better we can lead people to God. God would give them revelation in the knowledge of Him, as we find throughout, uh, we find also mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 1, 17, uh, through 19. God has revealed Himself to us most clearly, we might say, He, he revealed Himself to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. God being in the flesh, we say many times, and Christ came to the earth. God wants us to have plentiful knowledge of Him. And what did Christ came, what did Christ do when He came to the earth? He came and preached and taught, and He taught concerning what? The Word of God. And, he, and, and the wisdom and the doctrine He tells us was not His own, but from the Father who sent Him. So we find that God wants us to know more about Him, and we can also do that through the knowledge of Christ. We also find, as we look at the Bible, we find different ways in which God is described. God is described, for instance, as the God of our Lord. In John 20 and verse 17, hear Christ speaking. He says, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. We think about what that means. That really shows us really the, the authority of the Father. He is God. There is only one God. The God, the, the God, Father, the, the Father God, as we say sometimes, the, the uh, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. But he says here in verse 17, he's ascending to who? To his Father, to my God and your God. We also, we also think about the Father of glory, or the glorious Father. It's another term that's used there. And we, when we think about these things, this is who God wants us to have knowledge of, who Christ wants us to have knowledge of. That is knowledge of God. When Moses taught him, say for them to learn of him, he said for him for them to learn of God. When Christ teaches and preaches, he leads people to God. When the apostles taught and preached, they led people to Christ, which led people to God. And so the source of all wisdom is God. It's who we want to know. We also find look at verse uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse seventeen the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, as he says there in verse, uh, in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Understanding is the, is the heart in the Greek. Uh, it means heart, understanding. We think about sometimes our mind, understanding God in our heart, understanding God in our mind. And also the idea of being enlightened, that is spiritually to, to instill with saving knowledge or to instruct. God wants us to have understanding, to be enlightened concerning Him, that saving knowledge of God. 
And so when we, when we are enlightened, when we have that understanding, when we have that heart of God, we're able to also teach others about God. And we look at verses 17 to the first part of verse 18. We find here what God wants us, uh, some of the things that God wants us to have. But also, as we continue next, we find the result of God's uh, blessings for the Christian, because these are blessings. What comes about from the things, or what is some results of the things which God wants us to have? Because God wants us to have knowledge of Him, we also find blessings that come as a result of that. One of those is that you may know what is the hope of your calling. The more we know about God, the more we can understand the hope that the Christian have, has. The hope that we have through the calling, that is through the gospel. The gospel provides hope that nothing else possibly can. What is the hope of the calling, of our calling? We, well, we have this mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the gospel of hope. There is no hope without the gospel. We think about those today who, who are so always looking for hope and looking for encouragement in so many different ways. The gospel is the greatest source of hope because the one who obeys it will now have an eternal hope of heaven. And we are called to obey the call to Christ and ultimately called to, to God through the gospel, as we find here in verse 14. And through this obedience, this results and salvation that gives us hope. We want to have hope, we have to be in the body of Christ. Salvation gives us hope. Obedience to the gospel gives us hope. We find the hope of our calling is in the gospel. And how do we, how do we know what to obey? We, we know how to obey the gospel, what the gospel is, by learning about the knowledge of, learning about God, growing, growing in wisdom and knowledge of Him, as we saw in verse 17 and verse 18, that we may have the spirit of wisdom and to have God revealed to us through His written word. When we have a Bible study with someone, there's a reason we call it a Bible study, isn't it? We don't say we're going to have a study, we say we're going to have a Bible study. It means we're going to study the Bible. Why? Because it's the source of all wisdom. It's the source that shows us the way to God. It's the source that shows us the way to obey the gospel and have the hope that comes as a result of salvation. And then we think about this next phrase here, as you find it here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You think about that phrase, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the latter part of verse 18 there. We find that God has in store for the Christian great riches. God has great things in place for us. Ephesians 1 verse 3 tells us that all spiritual blessings are in Christ. We also, we think about those great riches. It's not just the idea that God has granted us salvation and forgiveness of our sins, but He also has granted us a life that's far better than any, any other life, even on this earth. Christ tells us He came not to steal and to kill like the thief does. He came to give life, and we have life more abundantly, which means even on this earth, the Christian can have a better life than anyone else on this planet. doesn't mean we'll have everything that everyone else has, but the Christian, because we have obeyed the gospel, because we have hope, because we have wisdom of God, we can, can and do have a better life than anyone else upon this planet. God grants us those types of riches. 
Those who are not saints do not have this inheritance. They do not have spiritual blessings. Someone to argue against that, but the Bible t- clearly tells us that in Ephesians 1 verse 3, doesn't it? All spiritual blessings are in Christ. If you want to have a part of those blessings, you have to be in Christ. You have to obey the gospel. And then we think about this phrase here, in the saints. If you look here uh, in, in Ephesians 1 verse 3 and Ephesians uh, uh, 1 verses 18 and 19, excuse me, verses, Ephesians 1 verse 18 rather, where he tells us here, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The latter part of verse 18. Uh, in the saints means in the midst of the saints or where the saints are. So where are the riches of his glory? In the midst of the saints, which would be a reference to among the saved. The same thing we find in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Where are his riches among the saved? Where are his blessings among those who have uh, obeyed the gospel, those who have put on Christ, those who are in Christ? Ephesians 1, verse 18, the same idea. The riches of his glory, uh, of his inheritance, in the saints. Those things belong to the saints and no one else. And then we think about this last phrase here in verse 19. We'll get here in just a moment. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? As he says there in verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? What is this exceeding greatness of his power? It's the power uh, to save. The power to save is not only great, it is exceedingly great. As we find in Romans 1 and verse 16, the power to save that we find in the Word of God is more powerful than anything else around us today. You ever think about how many times we find the apostles and the prophets and Christ and others preaching and teaching, and how they convince people with their words, the teaching, and they convince people they would message us from God by the acts that follow them. You know, in all reality, that's a pretty plain and simple process, isn't it? You preach and teach. You, a act is performed to show us it should be performed, carried out to show your words are from God. You think naturally people would believe. But mankind is not always so clear in, in their process of thinking. But we find here, nonetheless, despite what mankind may do, the gospel is still the source for salvation. The gospel is still the source of the power of God. He says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The gospel of Christ is the power. We want to make sure when we teach people and talk to people that we have the gospel on our side. I mean, we are teaching in preaching and discussing the gospel. Not the ideas of men, not this idea of, of some social get-together which some want to put upon the church. That's not what the church is about. It's about the gospel. It's about the saved and about the lost becoming part of the saved. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for everyone who believes. And he gets a little more specific, the Jew and the Greek. Everyone can come to the obedience of the gospel if they choose to do so. It also has the power to give all blessings. It has power to give us all blessings. Going back to Ephesians 1 verse 18, Ephesians 1 and verse 3, the gospel, God's word, has the power to give us all those spiritual blessings. And then we think about this one of these final phrases here, toward us who believe, again going back to uh, verse 19, toward us who believe. 
This indicates that one's continuing to believe. A continual action. Not just those who have believed, but to those who what? Who believe. A continual action of obeying God. What is, what is towards those who believe? The exceeding greatness of its power is shown towards those who continue to believe. And how is God's power revealed to us today? Through His Word, through His blessings, through prayer. God's power and God's many blessings are given to us and shown to us continually so long as we are those who continually believe and follow God faithfully. As we find there in verse 18. And the final phrase we're going to look at here is in verse 19. As you may have noticed, it's at the end of verse 18, rather. According to the working of His mighty power. According to the working of His mighty power, in the verse 19. The gospel is the source, as we've said before, of power. God's Word is powerful. You know, if we were trying to save someone on our own, apart from the Bible, we couldn't do it. We can't on ourselves say, this is how you get to heaven, and omit everything from the Bible. It doesn't work that way. The way we show people the pathway to heaven is we show people the pathway to heaven as it's found in God's Word, as it's found in the Gospel, because that's where the power is, going back to Romans chapter 1. The same power that created the world is, a, is, is the working and saving power of God that we find in, the, in Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Therefore, he's able to also to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. God is able to save to the uttermost anyone and everyone completely. God can reach them all to the uttermost. How does he do that? Through the gospel. And that gospel is found within his word today. God gives us the wisdom and the knowledge to know how we can obtain salvation. He gives us the wisdom and the knowledge to know how we ought to live before Him. And He gives us the wisdom and the knowledge to know where His power is, and that's in His Word. And from obedience to His Word, we have the many blessings that come as a result of it. Some things for us to consider this evening. God gives the Christian wisdom and power through His Word. God gives the Christian wisdom and power through His Word. Some would say, some would argue and say, well, He gives it to us in other ways as well. And how does He do it? Does God speak to us directly? The Bible says, no. Does God answer prayers? Yes. But how do we find out what the will of God is for us? Through His Word. How do we know how we can obtain those blessings that God promises the faithful through His Word? How does God always respond to us today in accordance to His will, which we find in His Word? God answers us and gives us wisdom and power as we find it through His Word today. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 as you think about wisdom. Let us hear what He says. But the Word of Christ will in you richly in all wisdom, that the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. How does it dwell within us today? When we become students of the Bible. 
We don't mean a preaching student per se. We mean we make the Bible a part of who we are. We study it all the time. We learn from it and we learn from God's Word and thereby we become a student of the Word of God in that way. And through, by doing those things, we find that the rich, the wisdom of God will dwell in us richly. As we find there in verse 16, God's Word dwelling in, in us, knowing God's Word it is, brings wisdom. You cannot gain wisdom from things you know nothing about. We're not zapped with wisdom. No, we go out, we pursue it. That's why schools exist today. That's why academies exist today. Because they are, their purpose is to impart wisdom. And that's why we go to the Word of God, the source of all worthwhile wisdom. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we are reminded that God's Word is powerful and it changes men. As we find in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is living and powerful, which tells us if it's living, it means it's still active. God's Word has always been active in that sense. It still affects men today. It is powerful. And he just goes on to describe its power as being, he goes on to describe more uh, attributes of the Word of God as saying it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. It means it gets down, we might say today, to the nitty-gritty of man, right? It gets down and splits man where it counts. As he said, it's, in the, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I know Chris and I have talked about this many times before, and others and I have may have well, but there's a lot of there's at least one or two knife making shows and sword making shows on television, and I I enjoy them because they're always they're always interesting. There's something I cannot even get close to doing, but their purpose is to make a weapon that can cut through and get to and perform in a certain way on various objects, and anything that fails, well, they're not going to go on to the next thing. And the deeper it goes, and the easier it goes through whatever that object is, the better it does. And how far, in verse 12, does the sword of the Word of God go? He says it's piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow. And they discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. It cuts to the very core without losing any sharpness. It doesn't become dull. It doesn't become weak. Doesn't become worthless. No, it's still living. It's still powerful, and it's still sharp. God's word is what changes men, and will will, will always be the changing factor. Uh, is going to always be the word of God. Man's wisdom, however, is no wisdom at all. One has an impossible task of finding wisdom in a society that refuses to define even what a woman is. That is not wisdom. That's simply foolishness and perversion. There's no wisdom, or very little. There are those who are living among that society who are wise, who reject those ideas, but among those who accept it, there is no wisdom there. Consider Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 9, where we are reminded here how the ungodly have no worthwhile wisdom. In Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, The wise men are ashamed, they are dismayed, they are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord, so what wisdom do they have? Well, that's spot on, isn't it? They have rejected the word of the Lord, so what wisdom do they have? The answer has to be none. You pull out and you look, you go back and look more of that context, you find 
this is really almost a culmination of what's been going on. They're deviating farther and farther from the Word of God and to the point now you say they reject the Word of the Lord entirely. So what wisdom do they have? The ungodly have no worthwhile wisdom. As we think about how and what God gives the Christian, He gives things to the Christian that the world simply cannot match. He imparts to us things that no one else could possibly begin to, to imagine. You know, we think about all the books that's been written. And I was doing, I was watching a video, I forget now when it was, but it was concerning the Bible. And I think we may have talked about this on a Wednesday night. And how the Bible covers so many topics, but most of our Bibles, unless we have a much larger print, are something about this size, right? And yet volumes and volumes and volumes have been written by man on one singular topic. And for honest, many times they come back and write even more volumes. They're God's Word. It covers all man's necessary topics can literally fit into the palm of our hand. Why? Because God is wise. Because God knows what mankind needs. And as you find going back here to Ephesians chapter 1, God is willing to impart to us, to those who believe, the wisdom uh, wisdom of Him. As you find there in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, God gives the Christian blessings that the, word, that the world cannot match. We know the world around us has certain knowledge that is no doubt useful for many times for secular things, for work and things such as that. And not all secular, secular knowledge is wrong or bad. We have to realize, though, that the knowledge that's coming out today is most, most definitely, at the least, dangerous. God's Word has never done anything to harm mankind. God's Word, when it's obeyed and when it's applied, only brings mankind closer to God, thus closer to heaven. That's what God's blessings and His Word does. And that's why the world cannot begin to match the blessings that God gives the Christian. So let us pursue the blessings that come from being a loyal servant of God. You think about Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 19, how God can grant us that wisdom. God can give us the wisdom of Him as we find in His Word if we are willing to open up His Word, open up the Bible, and look and to listen. You know, we have said many times before that God has done His part, and he, we could say that He has done His part and more so. But the question we have to ask ourselves, are we doing our part? Are we doing our part to gain the wisdom that is literally at our fingertips? The Bible is more accessible now than it has ever been in history. We can have it in the palm of our hand 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, in, in many cases, for no cost at all. But the question is not, can we, can we find it and put it in our hand? The question is, can we put it in our hearts and can we put it in our minds and keep it there? This evening, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way. We're glad to do so. That's going to be saying, sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>